Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franson here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you've spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder, government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can get you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Brian O'Connor is General Manager and Chief Operating Officer at Uncommon Goods, a leading DTC company that offers customers a wide variety of items that they love to surprise their loved ones with. Brian has increased earnings at Uncommon Goods at a 436% compound annual growth rate. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Excellent, Chad. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the uh, show. So tell me it. a little bit. I've, I'm a little familiar about Uncommon Goods. Can you give me a, tell me a little bit about what Uncommon Goods specializes in and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Uncommon Goods, we specialize in finding, you know, intentionally uncommon things. So things that aren't necessarily available everywhere uh, as primarily gift, whether it's gifts for uh, someone else in your life or gifts for yourself, self-gifting. Um, the majority of, of, of what we sell is made and sourced in the uh, USA. And we as a company focus very much on making sure we have the right merchandise, the uh, right product, and also a social concept conscious and wanting to give back to the uh, local uh, community. And we worry very much about making sure our processes are also uh, sustainable. You know, I, I told you before we started recording that I gave my wife um, cilantro and basil and chamomile as her uh, birthday gift. And she was she was very excited when she received those. How do you guys kind of come up with ideas for gifts? You know, they're kind of unusual that maybe nobody else provides. Yeah, I mean, we have a really great team of merchants, buyers, as well as uh, product product development team that, you know, that's their that is their full time a day job. That's that's what they do every day, and they really excel at it. We also have, you know, some of really great gift ideas have come from, you know, other team members. So it's 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 a really collaborative effort. What are some of the most unusual gifts that you guys have? Um, some of the most unusual. Well, I don't know unusual, but I'll say some of my personal favorites. Maybe that's a better way to to sort of do that. Sure. Um, there's a uh, Velociraptor uh, lawn sculpture, which um, I just think is super cool. Uh, you know, also I've given my wife a number of things. Um, the the intersection of love is 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 something that you know uh, I know my my wife liked. Um, 
And then I'm trying to think of some other uh, really unusual or cool gifts, but I'll I'll uh, think of about fifteen after the uh, podcast course, is over. Of course. So, uh, what do you think that you kind of specialize in when it comes to operations? Yeah, I mean, I think where I really specialize in in operations is sort of understanding what are the sort of if you take a, a particular customer or customer segment, there there's going to be twenty criteria that the uh, customer cares about. But if you stack rank those criteria in terms of order of importance, you'll find that there's five that really that really really matter. And you know, I I where I think you know operations as a practice needs to sort of evolve to is breaking down individual silos, right? So customer service has one silo, the warehouse has a different silo and, and, and focusing on those five metrics. Um, and, you know, depending on the customer set, it could be more than five, it could be less than five. That's just kind of a, you know, made up number for the uh, discussion. Um, and making sure that the organization is best in class at those five, which to me means just beating the pants off of the uh, competition. So for a, a typical direct-to-consumer company, you know, number one is having the right merchandise availability. Number two is getting it to the uh, customer on time and quick, right? Because we all, because everybody in direct-to-consumer competes against Amazon. Um, and then, you know, price is three and, you know, or some combination of one, two, and three there. And and focusing all of the other sort of submetrics and getting the organization the right systems and processes and people to really excel at those top five. And no business is, uh, has an unlimited balance sheet. So if you're going to invest and invest appropriately to win in those top five set and those top five decision criteria, you're going to have to figure out and decide how to underinvest in sort of decision criteria, you know, five or six to uh, 20. And that's a fairly large change management uh, program. What's your approach to change management? Wow, you know, that's really good. I think I lean back on a lot of my early career as a management consultant of, you know, defining what is the uh, future state going to be and what are the uh, benefits. What I've learned in the last couple of years is, you know, definitely hearts and minds and winning hearts and minds is, you know, super important. So, you know, being able to sort of talk to people and understand and, and communicate the why, as well as, you know, finding ways to, to, to sort of set the uh, space so people can understand, hey, you know, this thing that used to be is personally really important to me, but is maybe item number 21 in, in uh, importance to the uh, customer. How do we sort of have those sorts of conversations? What do you, do you have kind of a, uh, a way that you overcome you know, most most people, myself included, are kind of like resistant to change. <laughs> Do you have a kind of a way to overcome that kind of resistance? Yeah, I mean, I think I would want to. So there isn't any sort of single stock answer. I tend to look at resistance to to our change in sort of three different buckets. One is, is it a uh, sort of communication, right? Like, hey, do you not under, uh, have have I not communicated why? Um, the second is. Are you resistant to change because there's something about the program we haven't thought through yet, right? So do you not have the the, the tools to do your job in this new way? Um, and then there's a third bucket, which is you're resistant to change because 
we've satisfied condition number one, we've satisfied condition number two, and you just fundamentally disagree. You talked about um, five things that a customer potentially would want um, at Uncommon Goods. You know, the, those five things can change, but have you found like a, like a, maybe a boilerplate list of those five things that a customer wants? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the boilerplate thing is, you know, obviously price is super important. Uh, you have, first have to have the right merchandise. You've got to get the item to the customer quickly. Again, we, we all compete against, you know, the, the uh, Amazon. And then I think the fourth is really, you got to follow through on the brand promise, right? And, you know, the, the brand promise around common goods is uncommon goods that are, tasteful and 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 packaged appropriately and 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 uh good for the environment so how many employees does uncommon goods have yeah so we're a privately held company we don't necessarily disclose revenue or employees but i would say ballparks around 150 to 200 full-time employees so from a systems perspective do do you have a process in terms of getting your employees aligned to fulfill the desires of those customers? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, from a warehouse fulfillment perspective, really the, the most important process, and it's the one that's probably least talked about is inventory accuracy. And, you know, so that starts with inbound receiving. So when we get the items from the customer or from the uh, vendor, are we uh, accurately logging into our database what the item was, the uh, SKU number, the accurate quantity, and then uncommon goods. We have multiple warehouses, so we need to know which warehouse has how many of 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 a particular SKU. So when a customer order comes in, we can systematically uh, allocate that order to uh, to the right warehouse. And if any of that data is off, then you know, that means the odds of us being able to ship a package or ship the, the customer order within 24 hours is uh, very much reduced. So what do you do to ensure that that works? Yeah, so to ensure uh, that works, we audit uh, the inbound receiving process up front. Um, and then we have a dedicated team of folks who do what are called cycle counts. So they go to um, different locations and count the inventory there. So we do I'll try to try to stay accurate. Um, those those are sort of the the two best ways that we have found. How long did it take you to figure the uh, figure out the best way to do that? Um, you know, I was really fortunate. So when I joined the organization, there's there's a there was already a, a very strong focus around inventory management, where I think. You know, the most of the work the the last three years has been on the uh, on the system side. So to have gone from one warehouse where everything is to sort of three warehouses um, puts you know a slightly larger stress on the overall system to to know warehouse one, warehouse two, and warehouse three. How uh, how have you gone about building? You, you know, you've increased the EDT EBITDA by four hundred thirty six percent. Uh, how much of that has been kind of the culture there? You know, definitely the culture has played a re- really strong role. Um, you know, the the team at, at Uncommon Goods very much wants to go out there and always look for ways to do things better, which makes change management, you know, getting back to your earlier point about people who aren't necessarily bought in, 
um, it makes that much easier because the the uh, culture is you know that, that we want to always do better. Um, and so uh, you know coming in and being able to work with people who wanted to do better, who needed a little bit of help in sort of figuring out what is the right thing to sort of do and how do you present it to get that project done um, is really been valuable of, you know, very sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, like a, a very sort of mundane project is within the uh, warehouse, you know, just changing how orders get batched out, right? You know, like how orders get picked has a, a huge impact on cost and, uh, and uh, efficiency. You mentioned that price was a uh, important thing to a customer. If you guys, you guys sell, you know, the name of your company is Uncommon Goods. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I couldn't find anywhere else to get to get my wife, you know, jars of things that she could grow, really yeah. like basil or cilantro. How do you guys kind of, you know, meet the customer's desire in terms of price when you kind of are, have the only thing like that on the market, at least that I could tell? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, so how how do we price exclusive items? Um, you know, there's definitely uh, art and science. And while there's nothing uh, comparable, say, in that particular example, um, you could, you know, there are other things you could do that would be similar in uh, nature, or you could, could have gone off and, you know, bought the individual components yourself. So we kind of, you know, again, getting back to what I said around the uh, merchant team, the PD team, you know, like that's all stuff that they really kind of work hard on. And, um, you know, I think they, they do an excellent job. Sure. Sure. Uh, is there anything else we should know about uncommon goods? Uh, look, I, the company's got a lot of great merchandise, uh, shameless plug. You should go check out the, the website for your next, next gift giving, uh, event. What's your website? Uh, uncommongoods.com. Would you say it's a good place to go? Is there like a, you know, is a husband buying gifts for the wife? Is that, is that something, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Is that something that would be a great place to go? Is that a good yeah. gift, gift shop for that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's got a lot of great merchandise. We're uh, in the middle of getting ready for uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Valentine's Day, Day catalog is going to go out next couple of weeks, uh, or actually next, next week is going to start going out. And we have a lot of, you know, items aimed just for husbands or people to give their uh, wives or, or uh, girlfriends gifts. Sure. Sure. Uh, last question for you. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you have found particularly valuable in terms of uh, your learning? A favorite book or podcast? Um, you know, so there's a couple of books. Um, Ray Dalio, uh, Radical Transparency was one that I've found to be really good. Um, that, that one I keep going back to. Why is that? Um, you know, it lays out a set, a set of principles on candor and transparency. And how do you, as a leader, kind of live up to those, those two ideals? And what does it mean in, in a number of different situations? Okay. Hey, uh, that's a great suggestion. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time today, Brian. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Chad. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. 
Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my